I'm so nervous walking into like a wedding room. And so the first thing I do is like grab like the shoes and the dress and the details and like get out of there. <laughs> I can like have a minute to like breathe and not be inhaling hairspray and perfume. Hello and welcome to the Way Up North podcast. Thanks so much everyone for the great feedback on the first episode of this podcast series with Jasmine Starr. We've had listeners from all over the world and we're really happy that most of you seem to appreciate the interview. My name is Jacob. I am co-founder of Nordica Photography. We're hosting Way Up North, a photography conference in Sweden this year. And my colleague Cole is interviewing all the speakers leading up to the event. In this episode, Cole is talking to Baltimore-based photographer Nessa Kay, or uh, Vanessa Kessinger, as we'll find out her actual name is. If you don't know Nessa, basically all you need to know is that uh, everyone loves her, and her cuteness is sort of on the same level as any cat video you'll find on YouTube. She's also an extremely talented wedding photographer with an impeccable sense of style, and if you want to check out her work, you'll find it all over at nessakayphotography.com. We're recording these interviews over Skype, by the way, so please excuse any technical issues. We aim to keep the sound quality high, but the internet isn't always cooperating. Also, if you have any questions you'd like us to ask any of the other speakers, do let us know. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter, all under Way Up North 2015. Anyway, let's do this. Nessa Kay, April 2015. Your name is Vanessa Kessinger? It is. N- it's not Nessa K? It's not. So where did Nessa Kessinger, or Vanessa Kessinger, where did you grow up? Uh, I'm from Charleston, West Virginia. Super small town. Uh, it's so beautiful. But um, growing up, all there is to do is like look at shit. So uh, I ended up moving as soon as I like, got to go off to college. And so... Went to school for photography, moved to Texas, moved to Maryland, moved to Pennsylvania, moved to D.C., and I'm back in Maryland. So what kind of shit do you look at in West Virginia? <laughs> West Virginia. It's beautiful. Uh, there are mountains and, like, beautiful valleys and, um, like, huge rivers full of, like, whitewater rafting. And um, where I live, there was a bunch of chemical plants. Uh, <laughs> chemical plants to just charm up the nature a little bit yeah <laughs> well it sounds like a nice area it was it's it's, it's really beautiful so um, did you did you grow up as like a nature enthusiast it sounded to me the way you described it there was it was like nature filled kind of place were you were you a fisherman were you, in, were you into hiking I was, I was not I grew up thinking I was introverted because I didn't fit in <laughs> only when I moved it I was like oh I didn't belong there but no I don't I don't like getting nature on me um fresh air is gross so what way did you not fit in like what kind of community was it that you grew up in um meth population is huge there I'm uh Charleston West Virginia Virginia is um it's kind of backwoods country um it's not super forward thinking and I, when I was 18, I knew of, I think, I knew the name of three artists, uh, Picasso, Jackson Pollock, and Leonardo da Vinci. So I had to like go to art school and learn that there was like an art world. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's, that's fascinating. So you grew up, well, it sounds like we may have had similar upbringings. I grew up in a redneck village. I'm not sure if that's how you would describe where you grew up. No, totally. But if, if you're version of a redneck village was anything like mine, then I can understand that it didn't have a big art scene. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So when you were young, did you sort of like all, all of a sudden have this dream to become an artist? Why would you go to, why would you go to art school coming from the redneck town that you did? I, uh, I have been, I wanted to be an illustrator from the time I was seven years old. That was like all I ever wanted to do. And so my background is um, in illustration, and that was all I did, like, all through high school. And my art teacher, I wasn't going to go to college. I didn't make amazing grades in high school. Uh, But my art teacher was super nice, and she kept, like, making art classes for me. So I was getting, like, more art credit. 
And uh, she ended up um, telling me that I had to go to college. And I was like, which one? She's like, pick one. So I did. And I was like, what should I major in? She's like, pick a major. So that's how I found photography. Did you feel like you were, you were talented? Um, I, I feel like I didn't feel talented, but it was something that I like had to do. Like that's the thing about being an artist is not that you necessarily can back your own work and think that it's good. But if you're an artist, then you like have to make art. So it was something that I had to do. And so it kind of made sense. I was already spending all my time doing that to just keep learning about it and seeing what happened. That's an interesting, that's an interesting description. I guess, did you, did you feel that way when you started becoming an illustrator that you had to create art? You had to have this sort of expression? Absolutely. It was very therapeutic as a troubled child. <laughs> Were you a troubled child? I was, yeah. Come on. I don't believe it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, in what way were you a troubled child? Um, I just, I had like a, just kind of a rough childhood. And so I've been in like therapy since I was like seven years old for, um, I don't know, fear of death and other things. Did illustrating help you come through that a little bit? I think so. I, I would like to think that um, being able to express yourself in like to this day, like if I, if I don't, if I'm not doing photography, I have to be doing something. And that's why I play ukulele and I make these like little sculptures and I draw and I paint and I make videos. I write songs all the time. I'm a big writer. I write every day. I definitely think that it helps. And you have an awesome YouTube channel. Thank you. I like it. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a bit. But I'm curious about like how, how you were raised, because if you felt like you needed to create these things, was that just like a product of your environment or do you think that you were, you were born to be an artist? I think, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember who says it, but somebody said everybody's born with, uh, everybody's born with like the ability to make art. And somebody told me once that uh, children all have like perfect compositional skills. Um, and then you kind of lose it if you don't use it as you get older. So... I feel like I, I was just always put in a position. I didn't really like talk to other children. So like free time was drawing time. And that was, uh, yeah. Wow, that's so you, you felt like you were an introvert even from a young age. Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like you kind of came out of that a little bit or do you feel like you have it all? Like fifth grade, but even now I'm kind of a loner. Like I, I kind of do things by myself all the time. Well, that's that's a, that's a pretty good scenario to be in if you like to create things in a way, in a, in a kind of like taking a, a positive out of a potential negative, the creative aspect. I think so. There are so many amazing collaborations that people are doing in like the art community here in Baltimore. And I think it's amazing. But um, the, the way that I function, like uh, I don't talk well when I'm creating. Like uh, as I'm like guiding clients, even now when I when I get really excited about ideas, I just sort of like mumble the same things. Like I'm just like mumbling, like this looks amazing, this looks great, this looks perfect. Just stay right there <laughs> because I, I can't form like complete real thoughts. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> my my head is like in another place when I'm creating. Do you have a lot of things on the go, like in your in your mind? Like it, you 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 strike me as such a creative person that I, I'd imagine that you have a lot of ideas on the go. So do you feel like you kind of get sidetracked with all the ideas or, or what's, what's sort of your thought process like when you're creating things? Absolutely. Um, I, I tried to explain this to somebody recently because we were talking about how like uh, I get nervous before shooting and trying to like replay what it is that I'm doing when I'm shooting, um, like where, where my mind is exactly. And I couldn't pinpoint it because I, I feel like it's not a conscious state of mind. Whenever I'm like coming up with good ideas, I'm, I'm conscious when I'm troubleshooting. Like if the light's not good, then I'm like, I need to move. But I don't really remember the good photos that I take. Like I walk away from most shoots thinking that I didn't do that well. And I look through it and I'm like, oh, I don't remember taking this. It's beautiful. Oh, that's interesting. So it's always kind of a nice surprise. <laughs> it sounds to me like maybe you're, you're pretty hard on yourself. Um, I, I think art school helps with that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Did you grow up as an only child? I did not. I have an older brother. 
And what was what was your relationship like with him growing up? Did he uh, connect with you um, with your artistic endeavors when you were at a uh, when you were at a young age? I don't think so. He had friends and stuff, so he hung out with them. He draws these little fat balloon people, and he's done it since he was like five years old. But it's like to this day, if he draws people, they're like these like fat marshmallow things. Oh, okay. So he keeps it simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's uh, he's a musician, so he he plays guitar and banjo and piano and um, saxophone and uh, like trombone. So he has different ways, I think, of expressing himself. So into your teens, did you did you start moving around then? Because you you mentioned that you've lived in a lot of different places. Is is in your teens when you started to move around? I uh, know. Uh, it was like as soon as I went off to college. I, um, I picked a school that was like five hours away from home and saw that through, graduated with like a 3.95 GPA, which is like, that means I got like two Bs the entire time I was in school. And uh, then I moved uh, as soon as I got out of college. I was so excited. I had my, my bachelor's of finance degree in photography and I had a full-time job as a newspaper photographer. and. I decided that I was going to move, and I was like, oh, I'm going to take my art degree and flourish somewhere. Uh, it turns out people don't give a shit about art degrees, and I found that out um, as soon as I like moved to Texas, and I, I couldn't really find a job. I had like an internship under a really amazing studio photographer, but I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do as, sort of, as I sort of um, came into my own in photography, and that was kind of how I started doing weddings. Before you went away to go to university, maybe it was university, you said not art college, but before you went away, did you have a, like a, a dream position for yourselves? Did you, did you have a dream career that you thought you were going to go down? I think the bar was pretty low. If you set the bar low, you won't be disappointed. I guess that's a positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> everything, everything that has happened to me has been a very pleasant surprise. <laughs> but really, what was your what was your dream when you were in your teens? Was it to just create art constantly? I, I think that I would have loved a situation where that would have happened. I didn't anticipate it being reality. Like, there are uh, lots of people in my family that are like musicians, um, specifically musicians, not so much visual artists. Uh, and I feel like that was just always like a thing that everybody liked to do, but it was, it wasn't anything that anybody got anywhere with. I think in the like 1930s, there was a fiddler in my family that like made a couple of albums or something. Um, but it's not something that I imagined. I think at one point I had this vision of myself being a waitress in Paris and living in this like crappy studio apartment and, uh, like being a painter but that would have been as like, that would have been the most romantic <laughs> that the vision of my future would have been. So you would have become Amelie, more or less. I would have. I would have. A lot of the a lot of the things you put on YouTube that we'll talk about in a bit kind of remind me of Amelie, that movie, the, the same style. So did your parents play instruments? They didn't. No. no? Did they have uh, an artistic side to them? My mom and dad are both kind of uh, jack-of-all-trades. They're really interesting, which is, I think, why I take on so many hobbies. My mom has done everything from, like, uh, ceramic painting to... She took this, like, really long cake decorating class when I was young. She crochets, and right now she's really into jewelry making, which is, like, she's, she makes these uh, little pieces out of plastic beads, and we have always done lots of like little crafting things. And my dad, um, he was like a cable splicer for Verizon, just like a guy that gets in like a bucket truck and like fixes telephone wires. And he has retired, but he uh, collects like antique books and he does landscape paintings now. But that's not something that he did when I was growing up. Wow, so sounds to me like your mom maybe was a little bit more creative than your dad. I think so. My mom always told me that my dad wrote a lot of poetry to her and stuff when they were, were dating. But yeah, he never really like expressed himself creatively when I was growing up. It was always my mom. Oh, the Fiddler family. Yep. So when, so when you decided to go to the school that you did go to, what were some of the other options that you had? And why did you choose where you did go? Um, I went to another school for a year. 
Um, I forget about it sometimes because I didn't really take art classes there. I just took core classes. I went to Marshall University for a year. And I decided not to take art classes whenever I walked the halls and I saw like the senior exhibits and they were all terrible. And so I thought um, anything would be better than that. And so that was how I ended up at a different art school. And which art school is that? Shepherd University. It's a, it's like a liberal arts school. It just has a really cool art program. Where you get is to be it? on like it's in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Okay, so you went to school where you grew up then, more or less. Uh, it was like five hours away. West Virginia is um, it's like a an odd shaped place, so it's it's like on the op- exact opposite side of where I lived. Oh, okay, okay, but same state. Yeah, same state. So when you went to school, did you just like completely immerse yourself in creating and and getting educated in the academic environment? Or did you do other things outside of school? Like what was it like going to school for you? Uh, I was obsessed with school. Uh, It was I I feel like my public education was not what it should have been. Surprise. And so all I wanted was to absorb all the information like I took more chemistry classes than I needed, than I needed to graduate because I didn't know anything about chemistry. And I'm like, oh, it's like magic. And so (laughs) I took a bunch of chemistry classes. I took um, like a bunch of credits that I didn't need, like um, politics classes because I was like, I don't know anything about government. But yeah, uh, education just like consumed me. I only got like a part-time job my, I think, junior year. Um, But I was taking like 30 hours a week. Wow. And when you were studying all these random things, were you were you doing it because you felt more interested in all these things or did, were you doing it because you felt maybe lost and were trying to kind of find out what you were interested in? No, no, I, I just wanted to be more well-rounded. I felt very naive when I started school. So I wanted to uh, just absorb and learn as much as I could. And I feel like I feel like it was pretty successful, like uh, the... I have a lot of friends that also went to school with me. I, I, I think some of them are doing really well and some of them haven't done anything with it because art school isn't about the degree that you get. It's, it's what you take from it. It's, I spent so much time like waiting after class to talk to professors, ask them questions. Um, my photography teacher was, he's very, he's very Zen guy. Like, uh, if you, if you went and you asked him questions, like, I'm struggling right now. Uh, I was having a hard time coming up with, like, conceptual photography. I was, I was really focusing on the content of my, of my photos. I was, I was just starting out, and I was like, I don't really understand concept <laughs> and, uh, like, putting meaning behind it. And so he had me go outside, and we did this thing where he, like, we were looking at a parking lot, and he was like, take – take five different photos with your hands. And so I like, was like, just like look around like that with my hands. He was like, yeah. And so I like took five different photos. He was like, this is how I would do it. And so he stood there and he waited for a car to go by and he was like, that's one photo. And he took the same photo five times of five different cars. He was like, it's not about it being good. It's about like, uh, I'm documenting change. And it was like a little example, but the teachers were super helpful and willing to like rephrase things and explain them in different ways if you like weren't getting it. So I thought it was really helpful. What was the first photography uh, tip that you got when you started at school that, that has stuck with you today? So because my teachers were all concept based, we really didn't go over like the basics of photography. Like we looked at photographers works, but we didn't really talk about like the aperture does this, this does this. So I feel like aesthetics weren't at the forethought of my professor's minds, which seems weird because it's an art school. Um, I feel like the best advice that I got, period, was uh, it was, I think, my third art assignment or my third photography assignment. And I was trying to make this print work. I had this like really nice lens flare and I didn't know how it happened, but it happened. And uh, it was this out of focus picture of a street, it was a street shot. And I showed it to an upperclassman. I was like, can I ask for your honest opinion on this? And she was like, do you want me to be honest with you? And I was like, yeah. And she said, it looks like you're a freshman trying to turn in a pretty a shitty print. I was like, oh, God, I am. <laughs> I feel like um, I, the, the best tip I ever got was not to make excuses for like when 
stuff's not working out. If it's not working, it's change it or don't show it. All right, interesting. If you if you were to go back and teach that class now, what would uh, or or be a professor at that that school, what would your big tip be for up and coming photographers? Oh, I feel like the thing that I wish that I I learned was about how to transition from um, studio art into a way to make money out of it. <laughs> that would be what I would teach. Um, but I think I think the I would emphasize kind of what I'm going to be talking about um, at Way Up North, which is light. It took, I think, seven months of shooting, like rolls of film every week for it to connect in my head that it was about light and shadows. And it sounds obvious, and like I knew that, but it took a while for it to like click in my head. I don't know, I was only shooting black and white, and you can change the shape of something by lighting it differently. You can change the mood of it by lighting it differently, and it took me a really long time to figure it out. Coming from illustration, where... I understood composition and I understood using color intentionally. Light and shadow was sort of like the missing element from illustration that I didn't have. So it sounds like you have had like a lot of practical experience and academic experience with the art world. So I'm curious, who were some influences in the business world for you? Maybe, maybe when you were in university, did you have any influences on you who, who made you think like an entrepreneur even at that time? Um, I, I feel like that's where, <laughs> where I, uh, had to sort of learn on the, off the cuff, like my first year shooting weddings, even like my prices started at $400. Like I didn't understand business or, um, what I needed to do to make a living out of it. So I wish that I'd known anything about business. I'm very fortunate that everybody is so welcoming in like the wedding industry so far everybody's been super helpful um somebody sat me down my first year shooting weddings and was like you need to raise your prices and you need to um put together a pdf of your packages because i was just sending like a like email of like here's all of my packages and they were like that's that's not usually how we do things and it was super helpful but i'm yeah ever since getting into wedding uh wedding photography it's just been constant, like, making friends that are, like, giving me ideas and being helpful. In the art world, I feel like in school, people were a little secretive about what they were doing. Maybe it was just because it was in school and that's not how the art world was. But it felt like there was uh, less of a sharing environment. So it's been a nice What transition. did you do after school? I worked at a photo hut. <laughs> in, West, in, West, in West Virginia? I, um, and, uh, after, after I graduated, I moved to Texas, and I couldn't get a job anywhere. I had an internship, and I ended up working at um, like a, a camera store. And I, I couldn't sell cameras because I'm not a salesperson. And so they moved me to sell prints, and I couldn't sell prints because I'm not a salesperson and I couldn't sell them on these cards that I was supposed to sell. So they put me in the back where I was the um, uh, film editor. So I went through and color corrected and changed the exposure of people's like. Film okay. Models. So you, you used your education though, straight out of school. It sounds like. Uh, it took me about a year to find wedding photography. Well, where did you go from Texas? Texas is where I started doing weddings. Um, and I shot there for, I think, okay. three years. Okay, so from school, you went to Texas, and that's when, that's when you started your business. Yeah. So weddings is, weddings is at the bottom of the totem pole, if you ask real artists. So, so I'm picturing your professor, who is this man taking pictures of change in the parking lot of cars going by, how would you have shared with him your your path in weddings? What do you think the, the reaction would have been from the, the elite in the art community back at the university? I've had, uh, I've had one of my professors ask me to come back and talk about how to transition into um, wedding photography. I think there were other people that were doing weddings. Uh, I think there were two photographers that I graduated with that were also doing weddings who I, I second shot with, but... I was like, oh, wedding photography, I'm not going to do this, <laughs> whenever I was uh, second shooting with them. But um, 
I, I didn't feel like they respected their decision to be wedding photographers, but um, it's been really nice that they've sort of, I haven't taken them up on that, but they've, they've asked me to come back and sort of talk because there aren't a lot of um, opportunities for people that are just getting like formal training on how to be in art galleries, which is what my degree so is. So when, what is loser goes crazy? That is something I wrote on a mouse pad when I was 14. And, and <laughs> so it ended up being my screen name. Explain loser goes crazy. <clears throat> I think. Uh, and what I, what I mean was like, it's, it's your YouTube channel, right? Okay. So why don't yeah. you like explain why you have this YouTube channel? And it, I mean, it seems like you are posting less stuff on there, but I, I watched a video of you cuddling with a deaf dog the other day, and then you were making a creme brulee. <laughs> And you do a lot of these creative things. Yeah. So, so describe what Loser Goes Crazy is all about. Uh, Loser Goes Crazy is my blog channel on YouTube. And it started out as me talking to the camera. And it was a bit of a diary. Uh, YouTube was a new thing. But I had a couple of friends that were posting about it. Um, I was posting the videos from YouTube onto LiveJournal, which is a very cool thing if you're in 2001 and uh, so were you were, were you posting these videos and did you start it when you were going to art school yeah and uh, it was just a video diary I didn't consider making art out of it at all I was just sort of recording my thoughts and sort of sharing them with friends did you have any success stories that came out of the YouTube channel I've made so many amazing friends from my YouTube channel and from having an online blog like LiveJournal. I'm shooting one of my like longtime LiveJournal friends weddings this May in Canada. I'm really excited about it. Where in Canada? Uh, what's like a half hour north of Detroit? There's like a uh, city there. Windsor. Yeah. I used to live in Detroit actually, but we'll edit that out. We'll edit it out because this is not about me. <laughs> okay. So I, for me, when I see people make things look incredibly easy. Like I, if you go to a concert and you're like, oh, well, I can just pick up an acoustic guitar and sing or, or whatever it is. When people make things look incredibly easy, it's because they're talented and they probably don't think about it. But when I look at your YouTube channel and the, the videos where you're just creating stuff and you're probably just doing it for fun, do you realize that you're talented? Do you think that way? Or are you just kind of winging it? I don't, I don't think I actively think that I'm talented. <laughs> I think uh, I think that I can see when I've been successful and I feel like I can see when other people have not and I know that I'm less likely to screw things up than others and that's what I think gives my art worth to myself. I think if, uh, if it weren't something that was um, something that I can kind of measure, like percentage-wise, I mess up less than I think other people, then I probably wouldn't be charging people for it. I would have a really hard time doing it if I felt like I was doing a bad job. When you were in Texas and you kind of got, got your start with wedding photography, did you, did you feel like this was a, a career path that was legit for you? Or were you making these YouTube channels on the side thinking, I'm gonna be a YouTube star? Or like, where was your head at at that time? Uh, so much of my life has been about, um, doing things to keep my head above the water. I, it's, it's only occurred to me recently that having like a business plan and a vision of what your future should be is helpful <laughs> for attaining, uh, those goals. So I, I never expected my YouTube to have subscribers at all. Uh, I, I was just posting them to my blog. And I ended up making friends on YouTube, and um, they ended up being Twitter friends, and I got to do a couple like really fun collaboration YouTube videos back in the day, but I didn't I didn't expect anything. To what was your there. your social life like at that time when you when you were in Texas and you were starting you know to get into wedding photography and things like that? And, I, and I'm curious about your your social life because when you're young and you're growing up in a little redneck town, I mean it's easy to sort of feel like a, an outsider because you're young and you don't maybe have confidence and you haven't grown into yourself. But, you know, when you get to your early 20s, you learn a little bit more about who you are. So how did your social life, you know, make that adjustment around that around that age for yourself? 
When I was, um, when I moved to Texas, I didn't know anyone. I had an internet friend that I um, moved in with and... You had a, like an internet friend that you moved in with? Can you like explain that? This is, this is my ex-husband, so I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we had been live journal friends since we were 17. Uh, he, I was in an art community on live journal where we would post um, like drawings and like things of that nature. And I posted a picture of myself that uh, somebody in El Paso drew in a sketchbook. And um, his friend looked in the sketchbook and said, who is this girl? I have to meet her. And he was like, oh, she lives in West Virginia. And so I ended up being friends with them. And so I moved in with both of them and I ended up marrying the guy that we can take all of this out. <laughs> is that the reason why you moved to Texas? Yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And he was like, move in with me. And I was like, yeah, okay. Did the people in like, okay, we'll call that your social network. We won't call it anything else. Did they influence your decision to, to pursue weddings or any other creative endeavors? Um, they were both creating art all the time. Um, Josh was uh, a tattoo artist and so he was painting all the time. And our roommate, super talented, he was making these beautiful watercolor paintings and then uh, he would do these really intricate cutout patterns and so he was doing that and I had my camera and I hadn't really drawn in four years so I decided that was what I was going to do so I started doing portraits of them and their friends uh, it wasn't it wasn't much I mostly hung out by myself and my dad you actually dog. had a deaf dog yeah. Okay, I, I thought that that maybe it was like a skit where you had the clever idea to find a deaf dog and then make a YouTube video with it, but it was actually yours. <laughs> he, was, he was a very energetic deaf dog. Well, yeah. we, in, in our industry, it, wedding photography industry, it, it, it seems like, like for whatever reason, some pe people get divorced. I, I find like it's highlighted more for some reason, and I didn't know that you had been divorced. So yeah. we don't need to go too personal if you don't want, but I'm curious, like, what was it like working in weddings and going through a divorce yourself? Because you strike me as being kind of young. I mean, you're not in your 40s, so you're fair, fairly young and then you're in a new place, Texas, and you're working in weddings and something went awry and you're, you're getting a divorce. So what was that like? Well, um, I think most of it comes from not having not planning ahead, <laughs> which is like, I didn't have a vision of what I was going to do when I was a teenager. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my degree while I was going to college. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got to Texas. And we ended up getting married because we were, I was paying my taxes or doing something in a building. And I was like, hey, this is the building that they do marriage licenses. That's the story of how I got married. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That sounds charming. And how long were you, how long were you married for? We were married for two years. So you started your wedding photography business. You went through a divorce. What happened next? Uh, so I went through the divorce after moving to Maryland. So it was probably um, two and a half years ago that I was divorced. Where was your confidence at? Like after that, like did you did you move because of the divorce? And did you just need a new change to kind of get your a shot in the ass, like to get your confidence back? Or why did you choose to move to Maryland? So uh, we moved to Maryland together and then things sort of fell apart about a year after that. And so he moved to Maryland with me and then um, I paid for us to move up to Pennsylvania for him to start a career because he was unhappy with his job. And after I moved us up there and we were there 10 days, uh, then he told me that like it wasn't working out. And so we got a divorce like 10 days after moving to Pennsylvania. So then I lived there for like a month and then I moved to DC Wow. where I lived in a basement. So moving around like a little bit at that time, did you like deep down, did you kind of have a like a best case scenario or a, or a big goal? Like were you thinking like, okay, this sucks shit maybe. And you wanted to do something, but you kind of felt like you couldn't. I don't think I had a best case scenario. I had a worst case scenario, and that was always um, like worst. The worst thing that can happen is that I I have to get a real job, 
And that's always sort of uh, what's, I think, kept me making creative ideas in photography. Like, if people don't like it, the worst thing that can happen is that I have to get a real job. <laughs> so I, I don't ever feel pressured into making decisions about my business based on money. So you were, do you feel like you're, you're motivated as an artist because you don't want to work for somebody else? Absolutely. I'm a really bad employee. <laughs> Are you unemployable? I think that I am. I think I am as well. So we share the we share the, <laughs> the redneck town thing and being unemployable. So that's that's good. So you moved from Pennsylvania to where? Uh, Washington D.C. Why did you move there? Sam. Who the fuck is Sam? I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. So Sam Hurd is a amazing photographer who also does weddings. Um, how did you two meet? Uh, Ryan Brenizer introduced us. He also introduced me to my best friend, Sarah. He just said, I think that this is going to work. And he was like, you and Sarah are going to be best friends. And then we met and then we immediately were. And it was kind of the same thing for Sam. He was like, you need to meet Sam. You guys would really like each other. So you and, you and Sam, um, you've been together a while. What's it like being in a relationship with someone who's in the same industry as you? Do you guys battle for clients? Do you, like, I, I highly doubt that you do. Um, but like, what's it like, you know, being with another wedding photographer like that? It's it's really it's nice. It's rewarding that he understands why I do what I do, and that I feel like I can offer real help if he's having like issues with clients or has a situation that he needs to discuss. Um, we have had like one situation where. Somebody wanted to meet with both of us, and they were like, I know this is awkward, but it's kind of a drive to come and see you guys. Do you mind if we set up the appointments so that we're meeting you guys back to back in your shared studio? And so that's happened one time. <laughs> and, but uh, it's, it's, it's great. I love it. He's, he's second shot for me one time, but we try not to like, work together because we operate very differently um, on the wedding day. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, your styles seem to be quite different, so that would make sense. So, sounds like you've kind of had a, maybe a bit of a tumultuous past to get to this place you're at right now. It seems like you're pretty happy now. Yeah. Um, and when I think about, like, Nessa, the brand, they all, like I met you about two years ago in Vancouver, and I guess that was when you started dating Sam, maybe. And when I met you for the first time, I had a few beers, so my judgment maybe was a bit clouded. But when I met you... I actually was I actually didn't really connect the real life you to the online you. And what I mean by that was I, I felt like the online you was very cute, very open, very welcoming, almost like unintentionally talented and likable. And then when I met you in real life, you struck me as kind of all business actually. A little really? bit a little more than I expected. So <laughs> so in a good way, in a good way. So I'm curious, do you hone your online brand in a certain way to be that likable, cute, opening kind of person, do you think? I think that uh that might happen. I don't I don't know how intentional the the, the cuteness is. I feel like that's um regardless of what I post, that's usually what I get. I think I think it's because I have big eyes and I wear cute clothing, but I, I feel like I feel like I I've spent so much time online. I've been posting my like innermost thoughts in like a live journal since I was fourteen or fifteen. So I think that there's probably some like unconscious strategy. Yeah. That, that I'm putting things out there. I think that the, the way that I've probably learned to express myself is probably very much stylized versus like how I talk to people online. Like you, when you write, you write beautiful things that sort of like curl at the ends. But if you talk the way that you write, you sound very pretentious. <laughs> so I think, okay. yeah. Because just to kind of keep poking you a little bit about that, like our, 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 like Jakob and my impression of you is that you're very, very, very clever and very self-aware of the online brand that you've portrayed. So now that you've been in the game a little bit longer, you know, from when you started in Texas, for example, do you think about every single thing that you're putting online or are you still just kind of winging it like you did when you first started with the, the live journal? Oh, absolutely. Um, especially with blog posts. Kyle Hepp 
told me that she loved my my branding as a look several years ago, but she said that there wasn't much of me in my blog posts. And it was true, the things that I was writing in my blog was, this wedding was so much fun. I love them. I'm so lucky to be a part of this day. And it was, you know, I was regurgitating things that other people had said and sort of applying them to my own work. And so I, I have to make a conscious effort and I'll sometimes handwrite blog posts before I like type them out because it, I really want it to, to come from me and mean something. Do you, do you think about like, do you think about who your target client is when you're creating stuff still? Or do you still just kind of like have an open slate, uh, like you're online, whatever you create and put it online, is that just like an open slate for you? Or are you a little bit aware of who people are that are listening to you? I, I try to create content that I want to see. Do you feel like it's important for people to, to like the Nessa online brand? I think so. I, I, I feel like it's been... I don't know. I, if, if I'm putting things out there that I, I would like to have for myself, like whenever I create album spreads, I want each spread to be something that I would want to hang on a wall. And so I don't always put like my favorite images in albums. I put like things that work together and flow on a page. And whenever I put out, uh, I do like a monthly newsletter and I only put things in it that I would want to consume, <laughs> like things that I would want to read about and see. And so I, I hope that by doing the same thing with like my online personality and with my, my own personality, with the things that I'm saying and showing, that that will attract like-minded people that will just let me do my thing. And so far, it's, it's, it's worked out like that. It's been great. I mean, your business is successful, so obviously it's doing well. And you're happy, so obviously it's doing well. Yeah. But in, do you feel like you in real life, if we went out and had a beer or a coffee or whatever, do you feel like you in real life is as accurate as you online is? Because again, I, I, I was surprised when I met you. I felt like online you were different. I think, uh, I, I think the things that resonate with me that I don't write about a lot is like feminism. I am, I am super feminist and I'm very argumentative and I feel like I don't like to put that online because I think it's too easy to misconstrue um, controversy as negativity. Uh, so I think that I try to be agreeable online whereas in person if somebody doesn't understand what I'm saying they're more likely to say it and then I'll be able to like talk more about whatever topic it is that we're disagreeing on. But in line, online in general, I just try to like post about positive things. And Do you separate Vanessa Kessinger from Nessa K? Because maybe in real life you're Vanessa Kessinger, this hardcore feminist or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, for example. And then online, Nessa K is the one who cuddles with deaf dogs. <laughs> I cuddled with my deaf dog in my life. So uh, Vanessa Kessinger, um, was who I was. I, I, I feel like Nessa K started out as being my online, my, my, um, my retail face. Um, what do you mean by looking, that? My retail face was like my, my sales face. That was what I put on when I was like, I'm so excited to see your wedding. It was like this like fake personality that I had whenever I first started like doing weddings because I, I was like, I married a tattoo artist and I have a very foul mouth and I have like a tattoo of a vagina on my arm. Like, I don't think that like, uh, I, I was, I was what I thought a wedding photographer should be. And so I think that Nessa Kay was my, my separation from myself, but I, I feel like, I feel like we're coming together. We're becoming one. So that's, in, that's, that's what I'm interested in. So there's okay. like, there is a little bit more. Be behind the scenes like I didn't know you had a vagina tattooed on your <laughs> on your shoulder and it sounds to me like there's there's a little, there's more behind the online brand so when will that come out ever if or do you think that maybe it's it's just your, your real personal stuff is none of anybody's business so you curate very carefully the stuff that people see and then the impression is that's okay I don't know yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I try to be as honest about who I am as possible and um, with with my branding. I really want people, whenever they meet me, to feel like they've already gotten to know me a bit. So 
So, okay, well, we can just switch gears here a little bit. The feminist Nesta, Nessa K, who is going to yeah. fit in very nicely in Sweden. Yes. Do you have other political uh, political beliefs that you're very, very adamant about? I mean, you live in the right place to have political you know, beliefs that you're, that you're strong-willed about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just, in general, not a fan of any kind of bigotry. <laughs> I am, uh, like, a super big supporter of all equal rights, equal, equal rights marriage. Um, I haven't got to shoot a ton of um, same-sex marriages or engagement sessions, but I cannot be friends with people that think that it's in any way okay to limit the legal rights of people that want to get married to each other because have you ever found yourself in a confrontational like you you do not strike me as a confrontational person again maybe i'm totally wrong but that's the impression <laughs> i get like have you ever found yourself in a confrontational position because of the, your political beliefs i feel like i i have um I don't think it's because of political beliefs. No, I've definitely, I definitely call people out. Um, I, I am super anti catcalling, and someday somebody's going to attack me because I will, <laughs> I will stick it to anybody that uh, thinks it's appropriate to hit on me, um, in like a like grotesque, not flattering, nice, normal way that you're supposed to talk to other humans. Like a demeaning, whistling across the street type of thing. Is that what you mean? Even like a sup baby, yeah, anything like that. I yell, I don't know you, you're not my friend. So you, so this is like a, you strike me now as this confident woman, you know, like have you always sort of been that way or did you grow into your own skin a little bit with this non-acceptance of assholes, basically? I think I've had to grow into it. I think it's also really nice getting older because the older you get, the more, the more you get to be yourself because you're not worried about people judging you. <laughs> you just, you kind of don't care who likes you. You just want to be yourself. And I, I feel like that's part of it. I want to be myself without interruption, without feeling, I don't know, threatened by being out in public and walking alone. So I think, yeah. So now with your photography business and Nessa K, the online brand, uh, it feels to me like like you're coming to our event in Stockholm. That was a no-brainer for us. You were like one of the the first people who we wanted to come in. Thank you so and I know much. that you're I know that you're speaking at at other events and it's all very well earned in my opinion. But with what I think and what I'm just thinking this from what I've read in your emails and things you post online, it feels to me like you're almost reluctantly being thrust into a spotlight. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Uh, I, I, I think it's interesting. I, I'm not one to turn down opportunity, but I feel like I feel like it's really hard to look at yourself as an authoritative figure. Like um, whenever uh, I've done a couple workshops with Sarah Byrne from Dylan and Sarah, and I, it was so important for me to structure it in a way that was like educational and not inspirational and that's one thing that I love about Way Up North is because I, I don't think that's helpful for people to walk away feeling super good about themselves but not having something tangible that they can like put towards their business, put towards their art and um, it, it took a lot of like Sarah and I did like a writer's retreat for like a week to plan our first workshop so that way like I was like I don't want the locations to be beautiful I want it to be real people because I want it to be very close to a shooting situation that we would normally have. And um, we had to, like, coming up with how to talk about light, like, I don't want to just be like, oh, there's pretty light. Let's, let's like, go over there and shoot in it. I, I really wanted to be able to describe what it is that I'm looking for. And I, I feel like that that's the hard part. But I, I do a lot of homework to feel like I'm able to talk about these things. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll try that again. Do you feel like you were reluctantly thrust into some sort of a spotlight? And I, I'm asking again because I really want to know because now you're going to be on a stage in front of a lot of people and in different events, not just ours. And this yeah. is not going to this is not something that will go away. Like the, your brand will probably build momentum and it, you're going to do this more and more. So I'm just thinking back to the young girl growing up in the redneck town who was an introvert and then you didn't have a lot of confidence. I think you mentioned that you 
had health issues. And, and you struck me as sort of a shy person from what you've, what you've said in this conversation. And now you're going to be thrust into sort of a spotlight. So what do you really feel about that? I'm so glad that I'm talking about topics and not myself, because I think that that's, that, that separation is really helpful. I, I, it, I didn't plan on speaking. That wasn't something that I, I had ever planned on doing. I, I feel like I really love teaching. Um, art school was really eye-opening because I learned everything that I know about art, period, like from the ages of like 18 forward. So I respect the educational system and I would like to teach university level photography just to sort of like give it back someday. Um, so speaking isn't something that I thought it would be. I feel like there's, um, at least in like the like <laughs> photography, like the wedding photography part of the industry, there's a little bit of like celebrity status that comes with these kinds of things. And that's, that's not something that I want for myself. Don't you sort of think that you've already like achieved that, which is a byproduct of doing YouTube videos and, you know, presenting yourself as you do? No, if I could, if, if I could turn off like status, it would like comments on all of my videos and still feel like I was doing like my viewers any justice than I would, but I, I feel like that's rude to not let them like comment on, on what I've created, but I would, I would. I would be really happy to just like there are lots of things that I make that I, I don't put anywhere. <laughs> I'm really happy without an audience. <laughs> you're a, so you're like a true artist's artist, it sounds to me like. Oh, I don't know. Well, you create stuff because you're not you're motivated by the art is what it sounds like. You don't Absolutely. really care. You don't really care about who sees it. Yeah. So so with wedding photography, like outside of money, which is, you know, it's a it's a byproduct of why we do what we do. Like outside of money, it sounds like you would be doing wedding photography even if you weren't being paid necessarily. I mean, you got to get by in life and pay taxes and things like that. Yeah. But do, but like it sounds to me like you actually love wedding photography enough to just do it. I I do. I legitimately love wedding photography. You're photographing people's parties and then you go out in some beautiful lighting and you take pretty pictures. Like there's nothing not to love about wedding photography. Do you still like have the aspiration to maybe pursue some other artistic endeavor down the road? I feel like I need a backup plan. <laughs> um, photography, uh, teaching photography at university is uh, something that I plan on doing eventually, and I'm considering getting my master's in graphic design because that's like a passion that I've done that I haven't really like played with much. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's awesome. I've signed up for your newsletter, and if anybody hasn't, they should. And each time you you send out the newsletter, it's I mean it's designed well, but you're you're able to curate content in a very like in a great way. The stuff that you share is great. Do you outside of your newsletter? Do you look at other sites like maybe Pinterest or something where you can you can take that that ability to curate things that people like and apply it to something that will help build your brand? I I follow a lot of bloggers. Um, like style craft bloggers. Um, I follow a lot of art blogs and Feedly is uh, like the first thing that I do whenever I start, whenever I decide that I'm going to look at social media for the day, I always start with Feedly. And if I make it to the end of an article and I want to read it again, then that's usually something that goes on my, I need to share this with other people because it's something that I loved list. Oh. Yeah. Okay, nice. So Coming to Sweden, what do you know about Sweden? <laughs> um, nothing. It's shaped funny, right? It's a funny-shaped place, the country. No? So it sounds to me like, again, you have no expectations, so you can't be disappointed. <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect formula. <laughs> I know that there's a musical instrument there that I forgot the name of that sounds beautiful. It's called a nickelharpa. Yep. I didn't know yeah. how you pronounced it. <laughs> I probably didn't pronounce it well there at all. Uh, my Swedish sucks shit. <laughs> so at, at the event, you're going to be presenting yourself, but who, who are you interested in and curious about listening to uh, from the other presenters, if you stick around in the building to, to watch any of them? I feel like when I've heard uh, Jonas talk, it's been um, a lot about his journey 
And since it's going to be more like education based, I, I'm I'm really curious to hear his like teaching style because his like storytelling style has been so different. And um, Andrea Lindquist, uh, I love I love following her stuff. She's put so much of herself into like her branding, and I love her like oh shit workshops. Like I think it's awesome that she put shit in the name of her workshops. So. I'm I'm stoked to hear her just because I think she's gonna have like a great energy. That's awesome. Yeah. So, do you have anything else on the go that you're you're curious or you'd like to share? Do you have any workshops in the pipeline yourself or anything like that? Uh, not currently. Just just getting a graphic design degree. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Will you be coming to Sweden by yourself? Sam is coming. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was he? Was he like supportive in, or has he been supportive and help you in any way with, with you all of a sudden becoming a presenter? Because he has a bit of experience himself. He does. Yeah. Um, he, he mostly thinks that I'm crazy for not loving my work more. Like, uh, apparently at like a few of his workshops and talks that he's done, people like jokingly ask like, who's the bit of photographer? You or Nessa? And he was like, Nessa. Like, he's, he's. He's very confident in his work. Like he doesn't have like the the self doubting stuff that I do. He he knows that what he does is good, but he's he's very insistent that I'm better. It's very sweet. He's been nothing but supportive. Do you feel like you're confident? Um, no, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. That's, that's interesting, and I, I feel it's interesting because you get you know you get to a certain age, and enough people say that you're okay at something. Eventually, you might build confidence, but would you say that you haven't built that confidence? I think I'm just trying to, to be myself and that it's some, sometimes the things that I do are good and sometimes they're not. And I feel like I, I, I give myself credit after everything is done. If, if I've done a good job and I feel like I always do an okay job, but whether or not I do a great job is, is what makes me feel good. I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm successful if I'm doing okay, if I'm doing good. I only feel good about it when I'm doing amazing over the top. Like I want to put that on my wall. Well, with, with wedding photography, I mean, with the clients that we have, you never want to say something like I didn't create great work because it's so personal to them. So just put that aside for a second, the, the client relationship and, and I'm curious, do you feel like you create great work each time? Or are you so hard on yourself that you rarely create great work? I, I think that I create great work in situations where I am really vibing with my clients. Because there's like another state of mind that I sort of go to. Like even, even on like horrible, rainy, awful days, if the clients have been really cool and if I just I love them and they've been very like, do your own thing. I feel like I, I step up my game a lot. And in situations where even if the lighting is perfect and the situation's right, but I haven't been able to connect with my clients, I feel like I, I don't make great work. Working in an environment that you're comfortable in is basically the root of great work for you. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be comfort. I think it has more to do with the connection. I have to be inspired by the connection between the couple and the connection with, with me. Um, but I, I don't have to be comfortable in this situation. It, it can be insanely hot or insanely cold or- no, I, don't mean, I don't mean physically comfortable. <laughs> I, what I actually meant was like comfortable with who you're around. Yeah, yeah, then definitely. I'd imagine you weren't always comfortable with every single client. So did that change how you brand yourself? Because you, you get hired by people who connect with you obviously so did that did you have some bad experiences that made you think differently about how you're presenting yourself I I do um, I decided to put a lot more of myself and book content out that I would I would want to see I would like I would want to see myself in the photos that I post on my blog like that's I would want I want to create content where I would want to hire myself because I feel like that's been the best way to uh, attract clients that also like that stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm very selective about clients. Again, like if, if money isn't something that I'm super concerned about, then worst case scenario is they get a real job. 
and <laughs> I'm much more likely to say no to like a $5,000 package because I'm just not feeling it and I feel like I'm not going to do my best work for them. So have you turned, or I don't know, how do you diplomatically say it? Oh, fuck. Have you turned clients away before they, before they tried to book you before? Uh, yeah. Um, most of the time, uh, they're appreciative. I, I have my reasons. Like, it's not just like, I'm not vibing. It's, I feel like you would be a much better fit for somebody else. And then I have somebody specifically in mind, so I'm not turning away like empty-handed. I, I try my best to find somebody that I think that they would be a good fit for. And I, I try to be honest about it. Um, it's only been ill-received, I think, twice, <laughs> where like people were not happy with that and they felt like it was unfair. The way that they reacted just like backed my own thoughts up that we weren't a good fit because I feel like they overreacted and that they weren't going to handle. Do you feel that those are the decisions made by a confident person? Perhaps. <laughs> so maybe you're slightly more confident than you're leading on, maybe. I think I, I think I know what I want and what I don't want. And that I'm able to say no to money. Love it. I don't know if it has to do with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one final question. Do you have any um, other vagina tattoos or any other interesting hidden secrets? Not yet. I think uh, <laughs> Lynn, Lynn, Lynn is talking at CPC. She's a photographer behind I Love Wednesdays. And her talk is all about the emotional side of photography and anxiety. And she's like, she's like my, she's like my rock, my emotional rock. We both have like, I wouldn't say crippling anxiety, but I get like physically ill before like most of my shoots. And I feel like that's not something that I share online a lot. Like what, what kind of feeling is that? Can you describe it? <laughs> um, I have uh, panic attacks. So it feels like you're going crazy and you have heart problems. Has that always happened? Yeah. With like all forms of art or is it just this one genre of art that you're doing now? Um, actually like creating the art is fine. Like uh, I'm so nervous walking into like a wedding room. And so the first thing I do is like grab like the shoes and the dress and the details and like get out of there. <laughs> I can like have a minute to like breathe and not be inhaling hairspray and perfume and have a moment to sort of like, like focus on what I'm doing. And then I'm usually fine for the rest of the day. But because weddings are something that I need to not be sick at, I just need to be like physically able to work. I have a lot of, because I have health anxiety, I, um, I get really nervous that something's gonna happen to me or I'm gonna be late or I'm gonna disappoint them in some way. And so I have a lot of anxiety right up until I start shooting and then I'm fine. So. The art itself is therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> How did you learn to cope with anxiety? I don't know that I have completely yet. I've had um, panic attacks uh, since I had my first one when I was like seven years old. And um, I didn't have them all through college. And it was whenever I started having downtime. Um, whenever I first started doing weddings, but after I had stopped working at uh, like my part-time job, at the camera store, I had all of this time to myself where I wasn't doing anything and that's that's when my anxiety came about. So staying busy is huge for me. I calm down as soon as I start like doing something creative and um, I have to like fill my schedule with stuff, otherwise I go a little nuts. <laughs> so do you, do you, are you able to help other people who feel the same way? Is there a, like an underground community of people who sort of share this? this feeling within the wedding photography community is what I mean because you mentioned Len and yeah. maybe there are others like so if somebody felt this way themselves but didn't know who to turn to for example could they send you an anonymous email and say I feel the same way and I need help I I don't know it's such a it's such a personal it's such a personal thing that if people have anxiety um talk therapy is huge and so it's really hard to just like reach out to somebody and give them tips because you really have to like have somebody to talk through it and somebody to like reassure you like, oh my God, 
I'm feeling horrible today. I have this like feeling in the pit of my stomach, like I'm going crazy and I keep like crying like it's awful. And uh, it's really nice to have a friend there that also has it. That's like, oh, I know exactly how you feel. I was like that last week. And so it's just, um, it's, it's nice. I think you have to have a strong emotional connection with the person that you're like sharing stuff with. Therapy is huge. I totally don't have to do therapy at all because I have friends that like also have these issues that I can talk through it with. Beautiful. Like it does, it sounds great. I mean, it sounds to me like you, I don't know, as I said, I don't know you that well and I've only met you <laughs> once, but, but after speaking with you for an hour now, I get the feeling like you're, I don't know, you found yourself or however you want to describe it, but you've kind of grown into yourself a little bit and, and living where you're living now and the friends that you have now, it sounds like you're in a great place. I, I, I would like to think so. Well, it sounds that, <laughs> it sounds that way to me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for for having me on here and chatting about all the things, all the things. We, we touched on it all. We, we talked about all of it from the time I was seven years old through my divorce to now. I think that's chronologically everything. And you're lactose intolerant. That was also in one of your videos. And we I didn't can't go into that. gluten. Oh, okay. Good to know. You might struggle with some of the, the food over here. I'm not too sure how you'll cope, but I'm sure it'll it'll work out. You can eat vegetables anywhere, except for Africa. That sucked, but that was fine. <laughs> A story for another day. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for chatting with us. No, thank you so much. And farewell, and say hello to Sam. <laughs> I definitely will. Have a good one. Bye bye. Bye. All right, that's speaker number two of 10 coming to Stockholm this fall. Thanks, Nessa, and uh, thanks again, Jeremy Lim, for the music. Next up in a couple of weeks is Cat Williams from Rock and Roll Ride. She's got blue hair, she's got an epic online brand, and uh, we promise it'll be an interesting talk. So hope you liked this interview, and uh, you'll hear from us soon with more. Take care.